This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. All right, we're back. Jack of no trades, we're here to talk about movies. And this isn't the first movie I'd pick, but hey, why not? Let's talk about Knock at the Cabin. Taylor, what was your reaction? One word to this movie. Mid? A little de- little, a little underwhelmed? I think getting, under underwhelmed. That's my word. I think. Underwhelmed. All right. Final answer, underwhelmed. And we got Jake. What's up, dude? How's Scary guy in the house. It's, it's good one, to be back. One word. What would you leave uh leave in the movie? Honestly, I I couldn't do better than underwhelmed. Uh that is that is how I felt. And and it's not that I hated the movie. I I probably came away giving it like a tepid 3 stars out of 5. But ultimately, mm. it just uh it could have been so much better than it was. It didn't it's, hit my Shyamalan itch, dude. It didn't hit it. It didn't scratch it. I I felt unfulfilled leaving the theater. I completely agree with that. I, I to be honest, a lot of my disappointment comes from the fact that the trailer I thought gave away everything, just, almost everything of of <laughs> import in in the film, and I just I mean, fire that trailer guy. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> It was everything I thought the movie was going to be, and I and I agree. Blame the trailer. Because I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, it's going to take place in the cabin the whole time with some news clips. And that's exactly what we got. Um, is there anything spoiler-free you guys want to say before we get into the spoilers? Because there's, I think I just want to get into this movie. Like, just dive in off the cuff. Anything you guys want to just let the audience know? about the movie maybe to get some interest if you want to give them some interest what we got jake you got something off the cuff spoiler free this is the performance of dave batista's career um i've I've got to be honest i've always viewed dave batista as a walmart version of the rock just like a a (laughs) professional wrestler who who gets into the into the acting world and uh you know just kind of riding off the success of his past career and, you know, I'd seen him in Gardens, Guardians of the Galaxy. And to, to watch him in this, I mean, he brings like a, a really bizarre sensitivity to this performance mm-hmm. that like is, is almost off-putting for the first couple of minutes. Because you're like, there's just got to be this, this menace lurking behind him. But he's a way more complex character than that. And uh, I, I don't know. I was really impressed with Batista's performance. It's, it's subtle. It's more subtle than anything I've ever seen The Rock deliver, certainly. And uh, yeah, I, Batista has risen to the top of my former professional wrestler turned actor power ranking. <laughs> I don't know. I think I still give the edge to John Cena. Just, just, <laughs> okay, interesting. But A third one joined the ring right now from the top rope. I like this. <laughs> but I, I have to agree. I thought that Dave Batista's gentle giant thing really worked for me. Un- he unquestionably carried this entire movie. Like this movie is like nose diving off the jump, but he does have a sensitivity and this kind of nuance in the performance that's really shocking. 
based on his past track record. And I and I read a little, uh, you know, half-assed internet research for any of you watchables out there. But Shyamalan liked him from the opening scene of Blade Runner um, 2000. I'm forgetting the 2049. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a, you know, it's kind of just a physical part more than anything. But he really brings it in this movie. Like, that's my top note of this movie for sure. Dave Bautista. Very, very good performance. So what else? Anything else uh, spoiler free before we start? I want I want to get Taylor's breakdown eventually of this plot line. <laughs> um, so I watched. We get, well, we're doing a two parter here, so we're talking Shyamalan in general later tonight. But I watched Signs this evening, and I feel like it it has the the classic Shyamalan kind of choppy dialogue kind of uneven it's it's still present in this movie it it's got his fingerprints all over it it, it definitely it definitely See, hit I, that mark it's funny because i actually thought this was one of his more passable dialogue screenplays from the last decade like i i thought this actually flowed a little more conventionally obviously there is some just hilarious <laughs> lines in this movie but i thought as a whole it flowed better and you think it's more like in the like you still think it's pretty bad overall for him. We're talking relative to him. I just feel like it's it's been plaguing him from six cents on, you know, like I feel like it's always been there a little bit, some worse than others. But it also lots of close ups, lots of insane close ups <laughs> watching signs. I was like, this dude loves a good close up. That's Did his. that work for you, Jake? The the just like I'm gonna get the top of your forehead, to like <laughs> yeah. right below your bottom lip. Look, I've got to be honest. So old the the movie that came out a couple of years ago, it, the the close ups, what the the camera angles in that movie were so bizarre. It was like someone was talking, but the camera was completely centered on like maybe the the left fifth of their face, and then just yeah. like focused on the background. This movie I thought did that a little bit less, but ultimately. I am of the opinion, I, I agree with you, Ben, that the dialogue in this movie is a lot better than Shyamalan's tends to be. And I think that's because he based this screenplay off of a novel that had already been written. A, a lot of his screenplays are totally original. This one was based off a movie called, uh, a book called Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. And... Um, I think that probably a lot of the lines, a lot of the just the the basic tenor of this movie was taken from that novel. And so, you know, while the dialogue does obviously retain some some Shyamalan uh, semblances, I, I think that it's 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 not nearly as egregious as as in some of his his earlier works. I I actually felt the interplay between the people felt a little more authentic than some of these just monologue monotone <laughs> deliveries that he seems to push his actors to doing in these movies. Um, okay, guys, let's just get into it. I want to get into the spoilers. And <sighs> this movie is, is to me, 100% shallow. There is no depth <laughs> to this movie. It, it is, it is a roller coaster ride that has no Hills. There's no ups and downs. It's just like, it's just going, right? It's a straight it's like, line. It's, like it's a train. It goes. Everything goes the way you think it's going to go. Everything. And there might be someone that's like, see, that was the twist. 
was that there was no twist. Motherfucker, I don't care about a twist. I don't need a twist. I just need to have some kind of dynamic aspect to your movie, right? Put a situation in front of these people that actually is like a difficult choice. Every single decision ends up being a very obvious and like, yeah, okay, you would do it that way. Every step of the way. And that's what really pisses me off about this movie is that it just doesn't go anywhere. It's just one way and that's it. Uh, did you guys have a similar reaction or am I alone on this one? Because that was the overall feeling I got for this movie at the end of the day. You go first, Shake. I think so much of that effect comes from having seen the trailer before and simply just having a trailer that gives too much away. I mean, imagine if the trailer hadn't shown what Dave Batista and company were there for. Imagine if it hadn't shown that these people were there basically as stand-ins for the four horsemen of the the apocalypse, trying to prevent the apocalypse, saying you guys have to sacrifice one member of your family. Imagine if it the trailer had just shown four people showing up to their house with weapons, acting really kind in, in some ways and acting really whatever. But But at the end of the day, you don't know why they're there. You don't know what they want. And then view the movie from that lens, and I feel like it works a little bit better in terms of being unpredictable. But mm. based on what I already knew going in, I was expecting some – I mean, it's, it's Shyamalan. You're expecting some twist ending that knocks, your, that knocks your block off. And really, we just got, following the trailer, a completely, straight, a completely straightforward plot. So straight. I, and so here's where I'm going to counter is that I actually think the first 30 minutes, even knowing what I knew from the trailer, I was still pretty engaged. And I was like, okay, these people are showing up. There is something here, right? There is some kind of something to be discovered. And like you said, we kind of just find out exactly what they say is true. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the day is this is all true. And there's nothing else really that creates any more tension other than just people coming to grips with these people aren't lying. They're just not lying. That's it. That's all there is. And then they go, all right, well, I guess the world is going to end. So let's kill dad number one. <laughs> and then we go home. That was it. Like there was nothing more to do. Taylor, am I, what, what about you, man? What was your overall reaction to this movie? totally agree i was i was hyped for this movie after the trailer because i thought it had some some mystery in store that they're trying to hook you in with the whole we're here the four horsemen <laughs> of the apocalypse you have to make a choice i thought that those people may have had a different purpose or maybe were hiding the truth in some form some form of deception you know some sort of mystery it just I don't know. It's it's the classic Shyamalan has like he has an interesting premise for a movie and concept, but then just cannot seal the deal and give you a satisfying movie out of that premise and concept. Because I think the idea for the movie is awesome. It's mm -hmm. it's a great premise for a movie. I I also like that they kind of tied in that there was an actual purpose to the couple being same sex. And that kind of led to their paranoia and persecution that they have being two dads with, with a child. I thought that was interesting, but as the movie rolled, 
and everything went chalk. The the four horsemen die, and then they end up sacrificing a dad to save the world. I expected something to knock me off my feet at the end. I was expecting, if you've seen The Mist, I'm sure Jake has, reviewing every Stephen King property ever made. (laughs) That movie where the dad, Mercy kills his son, and the cavalry comes right after. I was expecting something like that, and that would have made my heart happy, but it never came. It just... it is like that rolling. unbreakable, like when he gets the flash at the very end, where it's like two minutes, it's like, whoa, puts the whole movie in a different light. And you go out with this kind of shock, right? It is a twist, but missed it. it just doesn't happen. I, I, just, I do want to mention just very briefly how fucking hilarious it is that like this group of four people, they show up at, at this door with weapons and you have no idea what their horrible intentions are. And then the second that the gay couple like af- accuses them of being homophobic, they instantly like get on the defensive. They're like, wait, no, no, you, you've misunderstood us. We are not homophobic. Like we'll, we'll be confused as violent murderers, but we won't be confused as that. We're PC guys. Don't worry about us. That's an excellent point. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, uh, Okay, so I'm going to get into <laughs> so uh, so you've given kind of the plot, right? They show up, we get the four of them, Dave Batista, we get Rupert Grant, aka Ron Weasley showing up. Great little part for him, by the way. I don't think he nails his accent. Like I think he's supposed to be a masshole, but he kind of he kind of fluctuates, but he's a real pissed at masshole, dude. Like I I like the energy he was bringing. <laughs> he feels like a second generation Scott. Like his parents grew up yeah. in Scotland, and so they retain some of the accent, and he's just got like traces of it or just some like shit. A, a bit of it, right? But he's like totally just like you know your Boston Boston Patriots fan out there. Ginger uh, too. It's ginger. It's you know he's got the whole thing, and then we get a lady that's got a son. Uh, that likes pancakes <laughs> and another lady that's a nurse and she's a good person too. So it's, it's three good people for sure. And then one questionable person. All right. So Mr. Grumpy, Mr. Ron Weasley, he shows up and he's bringing the most heat, right? He's the most anxious. He's clearly got the most violent intent of all of them, but he, he's still restrained. He gets right? his fucking ass kicked in the beginning too. <laughs> he does. Yes. He does. Yes. Uh, did anyone else think, what the fuck? When yeah. the guy is just like throwing combos and like, <laughs> I'm just like, is this part of his character? They explain it later. Which but is explained. Yeah. I was very confused. <laughs> so he gets his ass kicked, right? Just and destroyed. Gets destroyed. his ass beat. Yes. Okay. But, you know, he comes around to trying to be courteous enough, which is the vibe of the group giving this really horrible news to this family. Um, but then very quickly we realize he's going to be the first one sacrificed, right? He's the guy that's going out first to really show they mean business, and he gets executed in well, front no, of Well, it's, no, it's if they don't choose to sacrifice sure. someone in their family – one of the four of them has to sacrifice themselves and release a plague on the on the earth. Which I've right. got to say, these these guys could have done a way better job of explaining that, because yeah. their whole job is to show up and 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 convince this family they need to be like salesmen and convince them that hey, all of humanity is going to end if you don't choose to make this sacrifice, and. I, I don't know. I feel like this could have done been done fairly easily. Like maybe sacrificing one of them and then saying, hey, before this happens, just so you know, we've all collectively seen a vision that when Ron Weasley dies, 
this will cause a massive tsunami like the world has never seen to hit it looks so a, circumstantial in yeah the movie. To, to, to hit the coast of oregon like just be as specific <laughs> yes. as you possibly can and have the tv running the whole time so that they can see <laughs> yeah but instead what they do is they they're just like they're just vague as shit they're like oh humanity has been judged and then they kill ron <laughs> and then they turn on the tv and and then all of a sudden they just see a disaster happen and they're like oh this is what i saw it's like bitch you could have like, said that about anything but like kind of a sketch disaster where it's like did you plan but, this or is this just some random event but, happening somewhere but doesn't batista but doesn't batista say in his like monologue the exact kind of disasters that are coming something about water first but, and but, then, but the evidence is vague that they're showing it is vague it is vague you i agree it's not very clear it's like reading the book of revelation you know yeah, it's like where it's right. super vague stuff you could interpret it to mean any well okay so this is this is kind of brings me to my main gripe with the movie beyond ben what you've already said about it being just a fairly straightforward plot once you get past the oh yeah these guys are here to prevent the apocalypse yeah. and make a sacrifice so i thought that this movie should have been fairly cheap to make because almost all of it it was one location very kind of like claustrophobic it's all taking place in just this tiny cabin you've got a budget you're Shyamalan you can spend it making these disaster sequences, these kind of like external plague sequences. Very really glad you're convincing. doing this right now. <laughs> and, and they just weren't. I mean, everything from the, the, Comical. New, the news broadcast. The, the planes, dude. The planes uh, the, were the worst. The planes, bro. The planes, I could make that on my iPhone. I promise you. I was laughing my ass off in the theater it, as those CG planes are just dropping. It didn't Aww. look good. It didn't look good. And then, and then beyond that, the, the fucking news it's not hard to the make news looks a so convincing bad. broadcast right i mean we've all seen a I thousand mean, news broadcasts yeah. you can ape that fairly easily and or the news broadcasters are just like if you can use their banner you know yeah, just it just hire wolf blitzer out for a day but instead these guys i mean they they just get some generic newscaster to be like wow look at this disaster <laughs> thank you what yes. a disaster yes. and it's like I so don't fake. feel like I'm watching a real news broadcast, much less a real tsunami. And so what are we I, doing I, I here? I told Ben this. We've all made videos here. It looks like the iMovie news banner, yeah. like in, in every so scene cheap. that he has. It just looks like the generic, this is a news broadcast. <laughs> Pay attention to this. I couldn't agree more with this analysis. The newscasts were so cheap. And the broadcasters just like, off the coast of Oregon today, there was a tsunami. And it's like, do you care, bitch? Like, are you happy? Like, what happened? Like, where's the panic? Like, you just watched a wave 300 feet in the... Oh, I just... They've always so been bad, cheap. though. His whole career, dude, they've always been bad. I just but, watched Science tonight. Bad. Like... But, but science has this kind of grainy quality about it that makes it kind of sketchy. This well, and, was like too polished. And Signs also took place in like what two? Th what, so it was filmed in two thousand two, but I think it was meant to have taken place even earlier than that. Uh, so it's it's it was I almost think current. I think it's current is it, time. Is it current to two thousand? Okay. They're, they're just farmers, yeah. So it but just looks but dude, timey. like think about the it, it's behind scene. Like that scene is actually pretty effective because it looks like a real place. Yes. Like, it's a real house. This one, it's like you're on the beach and it's like this perfect clarity. It's like who's filming this that has just a steady cam staring at the ocean, streaming this live, and then it goes like it doesn't make any sense. Well, and and, and beyond that, 
Well, okay, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Keep going. Well, I was just going to shout out that one person on the beach running horizontal <laughs> to the water <laughs> while this wave's coming in. I'm like, bro, you got to be running towards the freaking land. Don't run on the sand that way. You're going to die. Um, okay. I, yes, this is a huge part for me, too. It's like just spend a little more money there. Don't be cheap, Shyamalan. Make this a little convincing. And you might have pushed this movie up a few points. Well, that, that's I, I remember what I was going to say is I don't know if you guys have seen The Happening recently. It's <laughs> that, it's it's that not recently. A, it's not a good movie, and I'm sure we'll get into it when when Bill Mo gets here and we we talk yeah. Shyamalan more generally. But I thought actually that the first ten fifteen minutes of that movie before Wahlberg starts delivering lines pretty good with pretty good pretty because, good because the 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 scenes of people committing suicide are genuinely affecting like there's this one yeah. lady who like takes this massive hairpin out of her hair and just like skewers herself through the neck with it and i mean anyone the watching construction that people jumping off the scaffold construction just, people jumping off the scaffolding you're like what the fuck like and even yeah. even throughout the movie it's kind of punctuated by like a a zookeeper feeding himself to the lions and a, a guy just r- laying down in front of a moving lawnmower and 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 it kind of like it punctuates this exceptionally shitty movie with these scenes that you're like damn i'm not gonna forget that anytime soon and I felt like this movie had the potential to do that with these disaster sequences. Like, there's a way to film 700 planes crashing out of the sky all in the same day in a way that you're like, oh my god, that is never leaving my head. There's a, there's a way to do that tsunami sequence just like that. And Terrifying. And yeah. they were just totally squandered. They look silly. Like they were, they're almost funny to watch. Like the planes in the background, the planes, people man. are talking, they're just slowly dropping. Just, Why would the planes start falling? Like the, it's yeah, yeah. the nose was up pointing up at the, <laughs> up. at outer like, space. It was like, <laughs> is that how the wings work? I don't know why gravity is stopped. It's just working, like nerf but... to the ground. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh. and they're like so sporadic. It's just, yeah, it's, it's bad. Taylor, what's your biggest gripe? Because I'm going to take Shyamalan to school from a narrative perspective here in a second, but I want to give you space before I unload on him. My biggest gripe, it's just, I thought the home invasion scene was honestly, the in the intro, was the best part of the movie. I thought I thought Dave Bautista showing up and having the little chat with Wen with the grasshoppers, and then the four of them trying to get in, I thought that was all great. Loved it. But I just thought it was just so predictable after that. I was like, I, I think that's my my biggest gripe. I don't think that every movie has to have a twist. I don't even know if this movie need to have a twist. I was just, I didn't find it compelling to watch after the, the intro. Yeah. And, and can I just give you what I, and this is just me. Like I would never, ever dream of being a story writer or a screenplay writer. I don't think I have it in me. But Shamlon has the pieces on the board and he freaking fumbles the bag, dude, like a bitch. Okay. Because <laughs> he has Ron Weasley in here, right? This guy that gets his ass kicked by dad number two. I'm going to call him dad number two, not because I, I just can't remember his name. All right. Dad number two definitely doesn't want to believe this shit is real. Right. But the movie is predicated on them slowly realizing through all these apocalypses and them sacrificing themselves. Uh, these catastrophes, excuse me, that this is real, right? So Ron Weasley dies first. He's gone. 
And we are moving along the story. And what does the guy do? Dad number two goes, I'm pretty sure that's the guy that attacked me in that bar. And they're like, nah, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. Right. We come to find out it was. That was the guy that attacked him in the bar. It was that exact person. And that created a huge amount of fear and prejudice that people would target them for just being a gay couple, just existing, right? Very valid fear reason. This all comes at the back half of the movie where he's like, yeah, it was, but who really cares? Because three people are already dead. We have three disasters already. We pretty much know this is happening. Why didn't Shyamalan set it up that Ron Weasley would live till the back end of this movie? And he'd be seeing these catastrophes happen with the other people being sacrificed and that like doubt of like, Oh my gosh, maybe this is real. Maybe this is actually happening. And then realizing, Oh my gosh, the guy that attacked me is here to completely derail what he was kind of building to as a faith in this, like maybe this apocalypse is real. Cause then it would have been like, Oh shit, maybe you guys are messing with us. Maybe this is a big hoax. This is that same guy that beat me up in the bar. And he's literally standing right in front of me, trying to convince me of all this stuff. That would have actually created an inflection point where it would have really teetered on, well, what is actually happening here? But he was just killed immediately, so there wasn't any need for it. It was already decided at that point. Well, this, Am this, I off base? No, this, this was one of my problems with the film, too, is that – so Ron Weasley I, – I don't – I can't remember his character's name. We're just going to call him Ron uh, Weasley because that's who he O'Bannon. is. That's what I'm calling him. I remember his name, O'Bannon. O'Bannon, yeah. So O'Bannon was introduced – and and promptly killed off as this character who's like deeply influential to their backstory, but there's no payoff to like why was this guy who just so happened included. to be part of like why was he one of these four like it, it set it up for like there's there's so many ways this could be narratively paid off and ultimately it just ended up being it, it felt like it was an excuse just to mention that these guys have been persecuted before. And they're like, right. we, we can figure a out a way to like mention that, oh yeah, he got beat up in a bar and so now he's like well-trained in fighting and guns. And so they're like, oh, but actually one of the horsemen was him. Do, don't, don't you understand? And it's like, I just don't, I don't get the significance. Like, why is that guy here? It didn't matter. It was like a coincidence at that point. It's like, he just happened to be on the apocalypse thread and read it and was like, oh, I guess I'll go. You know, like it, it had nothing to do with him. I, it just was a waste because they could have created some tension in that moment. I think that the guy could have been like, Oh shit. Does he trust the guy who does he trust him against him? Right. Well, he didn't have to, because that guy was dead already. He was already dead. (laughs) Right. It wasn't just some Joe smoke. Cause that was a big part guiding him is that he thought they were being targeted this whole time just because of his paranoia around that event. So it's like, why not actually loop that into the main story and make him be like, Hmm, can I forgive and accept also, this? Also, also, Daddy Number One having like visions after the concussion. Yeah, and, and a little confusing. What was going on there? What did he what see? Was, there was like a figure behind David Batista, like a glare. and he's yeah. like, "I saw yeah. a figure." So now all of a sudden, I believe them, and it's like we didn't. We don't understand anything that brought you to this point. Like you have gone from telling these people, no, I'm not doing this. You're insane to just instantly being like, you should fucking kill me. You should put a (laughs) bullet in my head because I believe them 100%. And it's like, how did we get from point A to point B? We don't know. It's a great point. We don't know. Okay. I, uh, 
I, I have another thing to bring up, and, and maybe you guys can help clear this up for me, because this was honestly my single biggest gripe coming out of the movie, and it's so fucking petty that, like, I don't know why I care this much about it, but maybe I'm just missing something. One of the plagues, so these these plagues are supposedly brought by the suicides of these four horsemen, and... The second plague, one of the horsemen kills themselves, and then they turn on the news, and it's just like a news story about an exceptionally bad flu virus that has apparently been going on for months. Like, it's an ongoing news story. So it's like, how was this plague a result of this suicide that we just barely saw? I didn't understand that. And then to, to make matters worse, at the very end of the movie... When the apocalypse has been averted, they go into this like roadside diner and they're flipping through the news channels to show that, hey, all these plagues have abated. And and they're they're flipping through the news channels. Are we really meant to believe that just mere hours after 700 planes have fallen from the sky and a tsunami, the likes of which the world has never seen, has crashed into a densely populated area, that there is a news channel anywhere running a story that's like, oh, and by the way, flu cases are going down. (laughs) True. (laughs) Fact. What is that? What is that second plague? It makes no fucking sense to me. It's lazy. It's it's not thought out. It's just... I don't know why he doesn't think about this like you're like you just logically going through like what would keep everyone's attention. You're right. Like the flu killing 600 people or the tsunami that wiped out all of Oregon. I don't know. I don't get it. Another another thing I'm confused about. Why are the four horsemen attacking the family if they have to choose to kill one of them in general and also fighting back if they're fully prepared to die? At, because at it's the visions, man. They just see the visions in the future. <laughs> it's, it's just confusing. It's confusing why Dave Batista's hiding in the shower and doing the fake out and trying to fight daddy number one when, well, when ultimately he's, he's trying to save the world, right? He, That's why. Well, when he slits his throat literally 10 minutes later, it's like, what is what is happening here? Like, why can't they release the apocalypse by them killing them? You know, like. Because it has to be a sacrifice. This is a dumb fucking movie. All right, I've said it. I gave it like four stars. That's two now. I'm pissed. You had okay. four? I had four out of ten. Sorry. Oh, oh. I, I do an IMDb scale. <laughs> we do five, dude. Get I know. You guys do Letterboxd. stars. I did it on Letterboxd. I know. Get I on, like get on board the Letterboxd. One and a half. Okay, so here's, here's, here's my final word on, on Knock Please. the Cabin. Because we have spent the the preponderance of this, this podcast shitting on this movie. Is... That ultimately, this is a movie that fails to live up to the vast potential it sets for itself in so many different ways. That being said, there is not a second of this movie that could be classified as boring. Like, it, it kept my interest throughout. I was like, all right, where are we going with this? And it was entertaining the whole time, which is why I do give it a tepid three stars out of five, you know, six out of ten, five and a half out of ten, something like that, because I'm just like, this was original, it was fresh, and it was executed horribly, but at the end of the day, I did still kind of enjoy myself. And and that's honestly and how I feel Shyamalan. about a, that's how I feel a lot about a lot of Shyamalan's recent stuff. And so, you know, 
I, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone on the basis of like, yeah, this is just such a cohesive, well thought out story. But I would recommend it to people on the basis of like, this isn't a Marvel movie. This isn't Pirate Six. This isn't, this is like, this is something fresh that you're it's an original just, idea. And it's, it's fucking February. What else are you going to see? I don't know. I, I just, the whale. I saw the whale. <laughs> I, yeah. My final thoughts here. Old, I thought was an excellent idea. I thought the story was really interesting. The whole concept really had me engaged, but I thought from a technical perspective, it was a mess. Everything about it. Screenplay was a mess. The way it was shot. was a mess. Yeah. The characters, everything about it just sucked and it really pulled me out. And then I feel like he took this movie and he has great performances actually from basically everyone. It's very convincing. Yeah. It's a few things technically are a little off, but I thought it was really well like put together overall minus the news feeds and stuff we called out. But then the story is completely tepid. It doesn't bring anything. So I'm like, bro, can we just bring this all together? Cause you're so close, but you keep screwing it up in a unpredictable way, which I guess is ironic, but here we are. So yeah, it's fine. It, it's fine. It's just, it could be better. Taylor close us out here, dude. You know, I got season tickets for this guy. You know, I'm going to go to, as long as he's making movies, I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to. And, you know, it's just, I texted you guys after. I was like, I had some serious blue balls after this movie ended. I was like, I want to finish. <laughs> so just, just Shyamalan, your next movie, whatever it is. I'm sure you'll have one in two years, 18 months. Just deliver for us, man. Just like reach your, I mean, split was probably the last movie he's made where I've felt satisfied. So I hope he gets back to it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we just can't talking about this guy. So I guess the joke's on us. We're going to do a second part. Just go into all of it. We're just going to unpack it all. <laughs> Healy's going to bring a new perspective for us. So we're, I'm ex- I'm somewhat excited, but I'm a little ashamed of myself to still be talking about this guy so much. Uh, stay tuned, <laughs> and we'll see you on the next one.